name is Harry Mason. I'm in town on vacation. I'm looking for my daughter. Huh. Radio. What's going on with that radio? And welcome to our Halloween 2019 episode of Retrovaniac. As always, I'm Jerry Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Boo. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And uh, this time we're going to look at PlayStation horror classic Silent Hill to see if it deserves to be called a horror classic. But before then, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Well, you remember that podcast that we did about Medieval a couple uh, weeks ago? The last the last regular episode, I in fact Yes, did. it's the regular episode. Um, well, they released the remake. Uh, mm-hmm. that, And um, I don't know if either of you have got to play it yet. I didn't. I watched a video of it. It looked very similar, and I did not have enough money to buy that. And another game I did buy, I'm going to talk about in a minute. So is it good? Well, let's just say, okay, here's... Oh, it's, no, it, it's not. <laughs> no, it, it, this is really weird. Okay, so, you know, we've had those Spyro and Crash uh, remasters, remakes, whatever. Um, those were originally, you know, PlayStation games, and they played fairly well. And really, when they did that remake of them, uh, this generation, they really just, you know, the graphics went up to 11, made those games mm-hmm. look amazing. Mm-hmm. But they still played about the same. Uh, but like I said, those games still played decently well back on the PlayStation. Okay, so let's move on to Medieval. Now, when we were do- talking about this in the podcast, uh, we said that not only did it look like a PlayStation game, but it played like a PlayStation game. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so as soon as you picked that game up and you saw it, like that's, that's totally what I think of when I think of a PlayStation game. Now, fast forward to the remake. Now they have made this game look amazing. Like, it is just gorgeous. Yeah. Compared to like what it used to look like, it is just uh, you know a, an amazing remake of of and what they thought what they could make that game be nowadays, and uh, that it is stunning in that regard. One of the best looking games I think on the PS4. I think it actually looks better than both Spyro and Crash, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, just because it, I like that art style. I like the you know the whole setting, the characters, everything else. They they lights out on that. Okay, so uh, it, it now does not look like a PlayStation game but it still plays like a PlayStation game. Oh. Like, they did not um, change anything in the gameplay department. They may have smoothed it, it smoothed it over just a bit, but so now you you pick it up and you see this amazing-looking game, and you press the, the controller around, and he still, he still plays like a PlayStation game. Mm. It's this it's kind of jarring now, now to where... I heard the camera's a little bit shit, too. Is that correct? Well, I mean, the camera was kind of shit, too, in the original. But now they've got it to where you can actually do a behind-the-back view if you want to. Huh? And uh, that is not good. <laughs> because Ooh. if you, you know, when we played, uh, played it for the podcast, uh, this is not kind of a behind-the-back game. There's a lot of stuff coming at you from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a reason they made that that sword really long. And you could make some some pretty... Uh, you know, the, the attacks stretch out for quite a while and, and around you. Uh, so that I, I definitely would not recommend doing that unless you just know this game front to back. But everything else, uh, it's still basically that game. Like it, they have not changed the gameplay for better or worse. Mm-hmm. And you can actually see that in the reviews for it because there's a lot of reviews that are like, you know, eights or nines are like, oh, man, this is a great remaster or remake of this game. You can tell those people have played that game back in the day and they still really like it. Mm-hmm. But for the people that have never played Medieval, they're just like, this game plays like shit. And like, it looks great, but good God, like it, it does not play well. 
And those are, the, you know, it, it's all over the place as far as reviews. So I could say if you really enjoyed the original uh, and you want a, a fresh coat of paint on it, but, you know, you don't expect anything as far as gameplay goes is, you know, smoothing anything over, making this camera any better. It's not as jerky as it was on the PlayStation, but still, uh, there's a lot here that when you pick up that controller, you're still playing the original game. And it's even hammered home that whenever you beat the game, you get the original PlayStation game unlocked right there on the title screen so right. that you can you can compare and contrast. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, I, I still think it's gorgeous. I still think it's a fun game. But if you're wanting this improved over the original besides graphics, I, I would keep your 40 bucks or however much that was. Hmm. That's a tough call because sometimes you really do want exactly what they've done. They took the game. They didn't drastically change the actual gameplay. They just made it look prettier. I mean, that's how I normally would prefer a remake. I don't want to see a, a reimagining where everything changes up and now, you know, oh, yeah, there's all these extra attacks he does and, he, you know, he turns into a boat. Like, I don't want any of that. I just want <laughs> I want a straight remake. But if they didn't fix the little things that made it uh, a little awkward, that is also, you know, something that you want as well. So it's a, it's a hard line to walk. I also bought a game that is a, a kind of remake, reimagining of a classic game. Uh, I bought Burger Time Party for the Switch, and oh I have boy. to tell you guys, it's incredible. I love everything about it. Uh, <laughs> it looks it looks like a, a cheap Flash game, and it in all likelihood is a cheap Flash game that they charge me money for. But it is Burger Time. It is Burger Time with uh, with the ability to play with your friends where everyone's Peter Pepper and it's also burger time where you could be one Peter Pepper versus three other food people that get the, their own special moves and stuff. Uh, it is, it, I mean, after the beginning, the beginning has some tutorial stuff that I thought, Oh no, this isn't fun at all. Like the levels are, are almost like cell phone levels where it's just super fast. Like, yeah, kill, you know, drop one burger and then you got a bunch of points like, Oh no, this is going to be, this is going to be real bad. But if you get past the tutorial, like 10 stages, you more or less unlock burger time uh, on a switch you can play with your your brothers or your friends or your kids and uh, it's all i've played uh, on the switch in two weeks and it's absolutely incredible uh, although if you don't like burger time you're not going to enjoy it and if you're a burger time purist you probably will also not enjoy it because it doesn't control quite as nicely as burger time and the multiplayer is more of a an interesting thing to see than to actually play but i'm still enjoying it uh, so burger time party for the switch highly recommend but the game i've played that's that I bought instead of Medieval, uh, the, the Medieval remake, was I finally bought the Dark Anthology's Man of Badan, I think that's how it's pronounced, on uh, PlayStation 4. It's the same people that made Until Dawn, which is a game I love. So I've been holding out on it. It's on sale. I figured I've heard it's a little bit short, and I had a day today where I essentially had absolutely nothing to do and no kids home. So from 9 o'clock today until about 2 this afternoon, I bought played and finished Man of Medan, and I love it. Uh, if you, mm. I know that Billy and I have talked about it Until Dawn. I don't remember if Jeremy likes it or not, but if you do like that kind of game, Man of Medan is highly recommended, uh, especially while it's on sale. It's basically $20. So if you liked Until Dawn, you like the idea you could play with your friends kind of back and forth. They actually have that as a built-in mode this time. You can play with people online, but even just by yourself in your house for a four- to five-hour block, it's super fun, and I thought the story was was good. Uh, I mean, again, I, I like bad horror movies, and it's definitely got a, a bad horror movie story, but it's not it's not terrible. Compared to bad horror movies, it's like a B. So that's excellent for, for a story. I guess, uh, you know, I loved Until Dawn, uh, I, but this one, like I was watching trailers for it, and, it, and uh, the thing I loved about Until Dawn was that it was it was cheesy. You know, it was super, super cheesy. 
Uh, but this one seemed like it was kind of maybe taking itself a little bit more serious. Like it was, it was really trying to be a, a scary kind of, you know, horror horror game or something. And I wasn't quite sure if that would fit with what I really enjoyed about with Until Dawn. It's got the same level of cheesy, I think, because it's still about a group of friends essentially that have these things happen to them. It's just they're not teenagers. Like the Until Dawn, I don't know if they were teenagers or early twenties, but it was a bunch of of in my opinion, kids, uh, you know, kind of getting back to this this cabin, and therefore it's going to play like a, an 80s slasher movie. This is still a group of friends. They're a little bit older, and uh, th- there's more involved to the the start of the story. Like, I guess you, you play through the very, uh, the intro that kind of gives you some backstory, and then you kind of play through a second intro that gets you to the real characters you're going to play and, and how they get stuck in this situation. Uh, it's hard to talk about it without ruining the story. Uh, but but as far as the kind of, you know, I like interactive horror games. I thought Until Dawn was great. Uh, this was a, a great one to play right before Halloween, and I'll probably finish it one more time before Halloween. It's definitely one I can see playing over and over again, especially with with friends that aren't really into video games but like this sort of movie. I think they would actually really like this. So that, that's been my Halloween gaming so far, other than what we're talking about today. Billy, what have you been playing since what our have I've been playing, you ask? Well, I've been around a good bit with, with several different titles. You know that new Call of Duty came out, and... I'm back into it again. I did the same thing as I do every year. I, I asked my son, I said, are you going to gonna be playing that Call of Duty? He said, yeah. I said, all right, I guess you'll probably want me to jump on with you every now and then. He said, yeah. So, all right. And I am pleasantly surprised. It, it's a series that I have had a hard time really getting into. Uh, it's been one of those things where I'll buy it. Um, I'll play through the story mode. Uh, and... And I'll maybe, you know, make it to the, the, you know, the highest level one time, start on a, a prestige where you start over and kind of quit in the midst of that. Uh, but this one has some, st- I think this one's going to have some staying power with me. Uh, they've done a lot to kind of tighten it up a little bit. Uh, it looks great. Uh, I, I think it plays a little, a little better as far as the controls and the maps are a lot better. Uh, they are, they went all out with like a, this, Larger maps with like a lot of ins and outs. There's a lot of doors uh, to open. You can close them behind you. It's a lot of potential spots to hide out and whatnot. A lot of windows, just a lot of buildings to traverse on this one, and not a lot of open areas. So it's been a very, it's been a nice change. Um, I've been playing that a little bit. I uh, also I, I started another round of uh, Borderlands Three. Uh, you know, I think I talked about it last time and I, I liked it and I said, you know, it's, it's more Borderlands. Uh, I, I think the second time you play through, you can kind of take a, a better look at it. Uh, I still, the gameplay is great. Uh, I, story on this one is probably the all around weakest of any of them though. And it, it's, it's just a lot of things. I think they had a villain in the, the second one with handsome Jack that is going to be hard to follow. And I think that was a big part of the problem here. And they also, they have a character in this game that is just ruinous. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it's not a spoiler. It's, it's like an, it's an angsty teenage girl character. And the problem isn't that she's angsty. It's not that problem isn't that she's a teenage girl. It's the, the problem is she is written as the generic, you know, you don't know me, antsy, uh, angsty teenage girl. And it's, it's bad. Any part with her in there is rough. Um, it takes a lot away from the game, the scenes that she's in. It's like it's the most jarring character I've seen in a game in, in quite some time. Um, but, I mean, it, it's still good. I'm, I'm still on 
middle of my my second playthrough. Uh, I know you know DLC has got to be rolling out soon, so maybe they'll maybe they'll improve a little bit on that. Maybe the the you know writers of the game can go to the community college, take some night classes, yeah, learn how to write. But um, I've been doing that. I also picked up on on Xbox. They're having that big uh, you know Halloween sale right now. I picked up. I believe the game is Haunted uh, Halloween 86. And it is one, apparently this game started off originally or at some point in time is a PC game. And they actually made cartridges for this one, I believe for the NES. Uh, but it's been ported over to the consoles now. And it plays like a, a you know, kind of a classic cheesy uh, horror game. Like, you know, like a, like a horror game you would have had on your Nintendo and I, you know, I haven't played that one for too long of a stretch, but it's awesome. And, uh, you know, I get hefty Nightmare on Elm Street NES vibes off of it. Now, that might send some of you running, but to me, that, that sells me on it. Um, and finally, just today, I started that Outer Worlds, uh, you know, from the, the guys that made some of the Fallout games of the past, I guess, back in Fallout's glory days. But, um... And it's been good. I mean, it's Fallout in space. I mean, there's a heavy, uh, I'd say, like, you know, that same thing we liked about that uh, that Tower of Monsters game, just that kind of that 50s sci-fi vibe to it. This one seems to have that in spades also. So it's it's been enjoyable so far. I'm doing my first playthrough, which means it's, it's a little bit more of a boring one because I try to run a nice character the first time I play through there, and I try to make the you know, sound moral decisions and I'll, I'll play as an asshole the next time through, but, uh, I've done that and I've played through the, the game we're going to be talking about. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about the, uh, outer worlds. I don't have it yet. I was going to mm -hmm. pick it up, but I realized I have a completely sealed unstarted copy of fallout four. So I did that instead. Mm -hmm. I, I figure we'll talk about that on our next full episode, but let's dive right into this episode's game, silent mm -hmm. hill for the Sony PlayStation. boy howdy here we go i have been looking forward to this one for quite some time i don't know how we've made it this far without doing this one. um you know when when there is talk of survival horror games uh back in the the playstation era i i think maybe most folks would would think more about resident evil but this is the one that always comes to mind for me uh this is a game that prior to playing it for this show i have played dozens dozens of times and it's it's one of those where the you know the entire series not the entire series but uh it, there are so many solid games in the series and hopefully uh this won't be our last tangle with it but um as far as this one goes yeah i uh i, I remember that commercial they had like the weirdest fucking commercial for this thing when it was first coming out and i was just so intrigued by that because i you didn't really see that kind of advertising you know, for, for a horror video game. Um, and yeah, I rented this one shortly after it came out and instantly just loved it. Despite, you know, as we talk about it, we'll talk about faults here and there. But I just, I recall this being one that I just, I sat down and I was glued to. I, yeah, for me, it was one of those games that I, I wasn't really 
I guess, prepared for. I, mm-hmm. I, that sounds kind of dumb to say, but like up until this point, uh, Resident Evil had taken the blueprint. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the blueprint for how you make a survival horror game. Yeah. And I remember seeing like, you know, of course, like Game Fan was excited for it, but they're excited for literally every game in the entire universe. Yes. That comes out of Japan. And, you know, they were hyping it up pretty big. And I, you know, it looked pretty neat, but in my head, I was just thinking, okay, this is Resident Evil without the the CG backgrounds. Like the the game is fully 3D. And so when it came out, I went to my local electronics boutique, got it day one, and uh, yeah, it it is not Resident Evil. Uh, it is it is something. It it really kind of blew me away with what it is. Because it, it was really unlike anything I've I ever played up until that point. It, it really kind of changed what I thought a uh, a horror game could be, really. Well, I mean, the comparisons to Resident Evil are very valid. I mean, you have to remember that uh, Resident Evil came out in 1996, which is still pretty early for a PlayStation game. The original release of Resident Evil was actually one of the big box titles, not before they went to the standard CD mm-hmm. size. And it was the first game I'd ever played like that. I mean, there was there were horror games on PC, and there were you know, early horror games, if you want to count Friday the 13th and stuff. But this was the first, like, it really felt like I was watching a movie uh, with more interaction, obviously, than, than something that's just push a button and see some cutscenes. I mean, this was this was a fully interactive zombie, like, exploration game. It was amazing. So when Silent Hill came out, it was three years later. Resident Evil 2 had already hit. There weren't a lot of games like that. There were a few that tried to do what Resident Evil did but didn't succeed, but this was Konami, so you knew this was at least going to have a little bit of beef behind it. Uh, I remember when it first came out, I was working at a game store, and, and you know I, I worked a lot of mornings uh, after the first few years when I was in college, so I would come in early, open the store, and then no one would come in for hours at a time for the morning, maybe one or two folks around lunch, but mornings were more about doing all the other stuff you need to do in a store, do inventory, you know, if you have to re- reorganize shelves and stuff, that's when you do it. But for me, I would just set up the TV uh, and face the register, and I would play through all the new games so I could at least tell people people about them. And I played uh, like a full morning of this game, and I don't believe I got to what's honestly the game. Like, I, I wandered around in this big open city. you got to remember Resident Evil was always those little... Everything was a hallway. Everything was a room. Everything was very self-contained. You start off in Silent Hill, and you're in a big open area. There's a lot of fog, so it's hard to see you know, a distance out, but it's still this giant open city. It felt like it was a sprawling game compared to what I was used to with Resident Evil. So at first, I was not, I was not prepared as well. I think what, you, what Jeremy said kind of makes sense to me, is I, but maybe for different reasons. I just was not prepared for this being a fully 3D game with a, a you know an open giant overworld map it wasn't just this preset camera angles now there's definitely some of that in the game but the very beginning was wide open and very very empty there's a few enemies you can run into at the very beginning unlike resident evil where that you know you kind of start out and you see that one zombie in the hallway and then then they kind of go everywhere and every room has at least something in it this this has large parts of especially the overworld map where there is nothing but you also can't really figure out where to go, and that was that was totally different for me than Resident Evil. Yeah, for me, like, yes, totally. That was that was one of the things that really kind of it was. Once the game gets going, it kind of slaps you in there, and you're just like, well, okay, I can barely see ten feet in front of me, and I'm not entirely sure where I should go. Uh, but for me, like, the thing that if that was how the game actually started, I would have probably just stopped playing. 
because like yes if you just just drop straight into that it is very unintuitive it looks ugly you don't know what's going on but for me the thing that sold me was the actual very beginning of the game mm. where uh when you you know you start up and you you start walking down that alleyway and shit gets weird real quick mm-hmm. you know you start seeing like the uh you know it looks normal at first but then you start seeing like the wheelchairs uh the, the camera angles kind of get kind of you know they shake a little bit they they're kind of off center and as you go through it like it just keeps getting stranger and stranger to the point where it doesn't even look like an alley anymore it looks like something else straight out of hell and then all of a sudden you're being attacked by these weird naked baby things mm-hmm. and you can't really do anything to depend to defend yourself. You don't have a weapon at that point. So you're just being, you know, killed by the, by these things. And that was, that was, that really got me as, as a kid playing this game or a teenager or whatever the hell I was, that was really crazy. And I think that was the thing that actually, I was like, all right, if that game can do that in the first like 10 minutes, then what else can this game do over the course of however long it is like that, that got me. Yeah, I mean, th- this is one of the best, like, opening just stingers I, th- I think you're going to find. And, yeah, um, as far as the camera angles go, you can tell they are really, I mean, they're th- at this point in time, early on, they are, uh, camera angles are a lot more fixed for this. I mean, they're presented in a much more, like, cinematic uh, kind of way for this. And, and you can tell it's effective because they kind of copied this beginning, like, even from the camera angles. Uh, th- th- this opening scene translated over to the, the film when it came out. Uh, it- it's just so well done. And yeah, it's just a quick just descent into some strange fucking shit all of a sudden. And and I think it lends itself that, you know, the whole thing of just being out in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, all the fog, not being able to see, not know where you're going, not having a weapon at all. And, you know, uh, your character you control on here, and this is what really appealed to me and still does to this day because it doesn't happen too often anymore. I, you're used to having someone that, you know, a character that looks like they can, can handle themselves. You know, you usually a resident evil. Well, I mean, you, you've got a either, you know, someone in, in law enforcement or these, these special agencies or soldiers. And I mean, this is the first time, like you're a thrust into this, you know, this, this horror scenario with just like a, a the, the common man. You know, he he doesn't really seem to have any kind of any skills of, or whatsoever. He doesn't look particularly sturdy at all. Uh, so yeah, there's a there's a lot early on in here that that's intriguing and and this intro. I, I mean, I still count that as the intro up to the the encounter with those little you know baby monsters on there. It, it's still still to this day it'll it'll get you. Well, yeah, your character is essentially just everybody. It's it's a mm-hmm. guy. Uh, the the intro to the game that you can watch before you actually start it kind of shows you the background. You're just you're driving around with your daughter. You have a car accident uh, because you accidentally looks like you're going to hit somebody, and of course you drive off the road like every movie ever. You wake mm-hmm. up, your daughter's gone. You're in this weird city you don't know, and you kind of see this little girl running off into the mist. So you chase her down. That's how you get to that intro section, and. You know, as you're walking through that alleyway, like you mentioned, it gets weirder and weirder and weirder, and then you get attacked by those naked babies, and you wake up in a in a restaurant, like in this diner, and it's you don't know what's real, what's not real. I think that's a great introduction to the game because there's a lot of times where you're not sure what exactly is real or yeah. you know why things are happening, especially in the way that some of the the areas are laid out in the what, what I'll call the negative world, but the, you kind of go back and forth from reality or what might be reality to something, something that's definitely not reality and it's some kind of hellscape. And 
the game keeps you on your toes the whole time to where even up to the end, if you haven't played ahead and you don't know the story, you know, you're still not really sure up until the very end of the game. And even then, honestly, uh, what's real and what wasn't, you know, what actually is is happening or am I, you know, is this the kind of thing where it's 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 a dream of a dying man? Like, what is the story to this game? You, you know, by the end, but the, up until that point, it's it's really hard to tell what's going on, but in a good way, like it, it's hard to make that happen where you still feel like you're progressing the story and you want to know what's happening as opposed to just, here's a bunch of crazy shit that's happening, I'll never figure this out. It's a real yeah. real careful line they walked in this one. And I think they did a pretty good job. Uh, I do want to try to avoid the best we can uh, talking too much about the story. Uh, we don't. I, I don't mind discussing some of the characters because there aren't very many, and you're introduced to the, the handful of them pretty early on in the game. Uh, but and, and we'll probably have a section where we can talk about specific puzzles or its issues that we had uh, with with later parts of the game, but I'd like to avoid discussing this the, the overall story after the intro more or less because it is it that's what drove me to finish this game. The, the controls are fine; they're they're tank controls, kind of like Resident Evil, but they're a little better. It's faster, it's a little smoother. The fact that it's open world uh, where the camera rotate, you know, you can move the camera a little bit was was a huge difference in just running through hallways. Uh, there mm. are definitely sections when you're in buildings that does feel more like a Resident Evil in hallways, but even then. I think the rooms are a little bit bigger and a little emptier, uh, giving you a lot more room to uh, to work with. Um, one of the things I liked, and you mentioned how you know you're just a guy, is that <laughs> you you remain just a guy for the entire game. You're you're just oh, a guy yeah. trying to piece together clues. Uh, there's only a handful of weapons in the game. It's not like you get uh, some demon destruction gun or a rocket launcher or anything else. There's there's a pistol you get pretty early on, I and mean, basically after that intro, you get a pistol. Uh, you meet a, a police officer in that diner who, who gives you a pistol and kind of gives you some advice on what to do, uh, and she comes back throughout the game. Uh, you can find a shotgun and a rifle, and I finished the game, and I never found the rifle. So so I only needed two <laughs> guns to finish this game, and I honestly think you could finish it with just the pistol if you wanted to, assuming you, you're careful enough with your ammo. Yeah, probably. I, it's it's I, I think it actually plays fine for the most part, but I think really, you know, we're going to get into our, our complaints and stuff like this, but uh, it is definitely, you know, like we said, a medieval. It's kind of of its time, and even though it's not using those... Uh, you know, the pre-rendered backgrounds, and this is fully 3D, fighting enemies and things like that is, it, it can be a pain over mm. time. I, that's my biggest complaint with this entire game, especially with things like bosses, especially with the last boss. But overall, <laughs> I, I thought, like, this game is, uh, you know, it is very playable for a play, for an original PlayStation mm -hmm. game. But yes, the the actually like fighting enemies with your gun and, and weapons and things like that are, are probably my weakest point of this game. And let me, let me ask, uh, do you think that it's a, a more of a, do you think at all it was like an active decision? I mean, we've already said that this is supposed to be like, you know, just like a regular guy that, that probably, you know, doesn't spend much time at the range. I mean, do you think it kind of lends itself more to that? Or do you think it's probably just more of a, of a control thing than an active choice? I will say that I felt way more helpless in this game than I ever did in yeah. Resident Evil. Whether it was, uh, you know, Konami's the, their original design of the game or not, uh, it just it it totally did go a long way in making you feel like you were constantly fighting, yeah. uh, you know, for your life or running away from these things. Uh, oh yeah, and I usually nine times out of ten will just hot foot it out. Yes, there, there was yes at at a point like uh, I think after the maybe about the first fourth of the game. When I was a kid, I just kind of learned that the, maybe the best way to, to avoid conflict is to just literally avoid it and, and run away if I could. 
and only fight things when they're right in front of me and blocking my path. Yes, I think you're 100% right. I think the game is designed for you to run more than fight things. Um, the, the camera is an issue with fighting things. There's One of the standard enemies you see all over the town are like these bat creatures that fly at you, and it's mm. almost impossible to, to be able to follow them because of the fog and because of the camera. It's really hard, especially if you're in a, in a fairly tight area, there's multiple things you're chasing because there's also dog enemies everywhere. Um, th- th- it's real tough sometimes to be able to focus on them. And then when you're firing your gun, it, it sometimes targets the closest thing. Sometimes it doesn't. I couldn't really get the targeting down right. In some ways, that's okay because I don't think it was a, a, an active design choice. I don't think they said, we're going to make this so that the, the fighting, you know, the, the shooting controls are really awkward. I think it's just mm. what, you know, again, you have to remember the time frame we're talking about. The original Resident Evil, even Resident Evil 2, still had some some goofy control issues. So, you know, I think this kind of goes with it. I think it really becomes apparent, and Jerry mentioned this, but the, the bosses, uh, mm. especially the last boss, but even even the first real boss you meet, the slug monster thing, is it was tough to get the camera to do what you wanted it to do and to get the controls to move like you wanted it to. But anything that flies specifically, it was you, you can't use the right stick to look around. You can't get a, a better angle up in the air. It was, it was not an easy game to look around with. Um, anything that wasn't on a flat plane with you. So it, it definitely made the game harder. And for regular fights, I didn't mind it. But for bosses, you could tell it was more of an issue than a conscious design choice. Uh, speaking of the last boss, we're not going to spoil, what again, the story. But after the intro where you see him, I don't think I ever saw the last boss because of that same issue. Like, you knew where it was <laughs> because you can see him attacking you. But that was it. I just could never see him. So I just would fire blindly in a direction and eventually it it works it'll work but hey. but you couldn't you couldn't see it you can see him again he's in the i okay, can't spoil it but you can't see him <laughs> well, you just, he's in the air we already talked about things in yes. the air and it makes it so that you don't you can't see them sometimes but in a small room like that and and with the way it was set up i uh, other than the intro i would never have seen him now in some ways that works if you're doing some kind of kind of crazy lovecraft style uh story which this kind of has a little bit of that That's it's right. it's not you, quite you lovecrafty go, but it is you go fucking crazy if yeah. you saw him. Yeah, exactly. Doing you so, a favor. so you make it so you, you either can't see it or it's always shaky or something crazy. So, in a way, I appreciate that. But, but when you actually get there and you actually play it, you can tell that's not what's intended. There's no way that's what they wanted you to do, uh, and it it made it so that it was it was kind of a trivial fight uh, as you just heal a bunch. Uh, so either way, that doesn't spoil the story. It doesn't spoil the end of the game because literally once you got there, you'd realize there's nothing else you can do. So most of the, when you start the game, and a large part of the game is, you have a, a the map of a, of a little town, Silent Hill, and it's laid out like a town realistically would be laid out. So there's, you know, a, a series of streets, it's in a grid, it makes a lot of sense. It's not huge, there's what, three streets by three streets, or three streets by four streets on the, the mm-hmm. first map section you get. When you first come into the town, you get that map pretty quickly, it's in the diner you wake up in, you get a map of the town, or at least the, the part of the town you're in, and you get your handgun, you get a few healing items, and you're out the door, wandering through this open world map, and you get a clue that you're supposed to go to, and again, I don't mind going to the first, even th- fourth of this game so the first thing it says is you need to get to the school you know your daughter ran makes sense she'd go to a school i suppose because what else does a seven-year-old girl know so you have to get from you know one side of the map where you are in the diner down to the school which is about as far as you can get on this map and as soon as you try to make the most direct route there you'll realize that a lot of these roads are torn out completely gone so you cannot make them it updates your map as you go through those areas so if you come to a, a 
a road where the whole road is ripped out, you go back and look at your map, there's a giant X over that road, so you know you can't go there anymore. And buildings of importance are labeled somewhat. Buildings of non-importance are also labeled, but a little harder to read. Uh, the, the map is probably my favorite part of this game in that it's mm-hmm. so it's not interactive to the point where like you don't click on the map and end up in that spot. It's not a warp. But it, the fact that it does autofill, but only once you get there yourself. I really like that a lot. Yeah, uh, and, I mean, it's and, a nice fucking map. Well, and it makes it, without that map, especially with the roads being torn up as they are, some of those paths mm-hmm. to get around are pretty damn convoluted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to actually get it to the school. You have to go through an alley that looks a lot like the alley you started the game through at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you have to go through, uh, when you get to the next street over, you, you figure out, oh, all the roads that connect to where this school would be are all ripped out. What am I supposed to do? And you'll find a note somewhere that says you have to find a doghouse. And you find a house with a doghouse right in the front. It's very obvious. Inside the doghouse is a key, and that lets you into that house. And once you get through that house, oh, the backyard of that house, the gate will open. You can go to the other street you couldn't get to. So a lot Mm -hmm. of getting around in this town is puzzle-based. It's also making sure you kind of fully map out everything by trying every area. And in the middle of that, and the fact that there's so much fog and it's hard to see, you've got these bat creatures, you've got dog creatures, and later on there are some others that show up. But it's really just those two at the start. And one of the items you start with, and you get, well, you don't start with it, you get it at that diner when the game truly starts, is a radio. And the only purpose of that radio is that when enemies are close to you, it starts making a lot of static. So in addition to just some a lot of good you know, background noise that's in these areas, you also have this constant kind of buzzing from your radio that gets louder and louder and louder as you get close to enemies, which also helps with attention. I mean, just the, the wandering through this town <laughs> and trying to map your way around is... is uh, Honestly, that's what draws me to this kind of game. I loved it. I hated it at first because I couldn't figure out, you know, I thought I had to just fight everything. And and like we mentioned, the combat's not great. And much like Resident Evil, you have a very limited supply of ammunition for that pistol at first. Unlike Resident Evil, when you don't have anything else with that pistol, you got nothing. You can't punch things. You're not going to get anywhere. You've just got to hope to God you have enough bullets to get through everything. Uh, Now, at first, I definitely tried to blast my way through stuff because there aren't a whole lot of enemies out there. But later on, I think you'd run out of ammo real quick. So you learn, even before you get to the school, 99% of the time, if you can run, run. Get, get to a safe area, get to a room, get to a door, anything you can close to get away from these mm-hmm. bat and dog creatures. It, it just, it's, I, you know, Jeremy mentioned that you felt like you were in danger a lot of the time. I don't think you ever feel safe at all. Even in a, in a safe spot where there's a save. That's the only reason you know yeah. you're safe is because you can save at these little notepads. That's the only safe area in the entire game. And, and everything you're saying, I, I notice you're saying a lot that you, you've learned it early on. I think this game, for a game that puts you in the middle of nowhere, out in the fog, it does a great job of holding your hand through it early on. Um, it it looks obtuse. It looks a bit overwhelming. Uh, but the game really has a lot of mechanics in place to to ease you along. I mean, that map is so intuitive. And, you know, the way it labels everything as you go, you explore, but it limits any any backtracking. Because, yeah, I mean, everything is mostly labeled. Uh, but I can imagine if my my map wasn't detailed, if my map, you know, didn't kind of show me whereabouts I am and things like that, and I didn't have any references to go off of, uh, there would have been a lot more, you know, backtracking and going back and forth over the same things over and over again. And just like the enemies, uh, you, you learn pretty early on that i mean as far as i know there's an endless supply i've never stood around and and fought 
over and over again. I, I, you know, pretty early on playing through this the first time, I learned, you know, just run, yeah, just run through. I, it, your guy, he's got a gun, not a lot of ammo, and yeah, I was coming off Resident Evil, so I was already kind of, kind of suspect that the the there wouldn't be a lot of ammunition out there and a lot to really fight with. And uh, this game does a great job of just making your character seem and your situation just seem hopeless as you're, as you're going along. I, you don't feel like at any point in time, you're mowing anybody down and kind of stomping through the town. Uh, you feel like you are limping from one spot to the next. And I, I've always loved that about it. And especially in this game, I just, this is still one of my favorite, I guess, maps, you know, uh, open, I mean, it's open world in a, not the sense we're used to nowadays, you know, where you're free to go anywhere at any point. Uh, but it's still one of my favorite worlds to traverse. Because, I mean, the name of the game says it all. I mean, the the town itself is is a big character in the games. Uh, you know, especially in this first one, for it to be a town full of, of fog and, you know, kind of something's hard to read. I, I think the town has a lot of personality to it. And it does a good job of seeming like a... a very threatening place and the radio only adds to it i mean that radio ratchets up the tension uh, another you know when i first played this thing playing through late at night i and i've played through you with my volume up and i always dreaded uh when i open a door because half the time you open a door to a place that radio is going to be fucking full blast the music's going to kick in and it puts you right on the edge of your seat uh it's just it's awesome and and not a lot of games have really been able to do that and i mean even future silent hill titles haven't done it as well as this one the thing is like whenever it does like it starts blasting that radio whenever you Mm -hmm. go to a new room it's usually you can't see where the enemy is yes like you can hear the radio going crazy but you you can't actually see where it's at so you know you just you're just waiting you're just standing there Mm -hmm. waiting to get rushed by an enemy and it's even worse when you don't because you just you have to just kind of crawl, you know, s- just slowly move along uh, and, and tr- try to figure out where that enemy's at. And, you know, then when it does bust out at you or something or come running at you, that's that's oh, God, it, it, it's yes. one of those, you know, that's one of the things that makes this game so memorable to me is like I'm I'm not the biggest fan of jump scares. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm fine with them, but it's done. It's something that I don't really like enjoy a lot of. Mm-hmm. And so like Silent Hill, it wasn't so much about the jump scares, scares. It was more about the tension yeah. and I'm totally fine with that. And like that radio just added so much to that. And like you were talking about, like the town actually having a lot of personality. I, I would go so far as to say the town is like one of the characters in the game. Oh yeah. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it's it, it maybe the main. Yeah, it is. Uh, it that's one thing. Like it was. It's so much fun to just explore that town, even though you know it's very simple on the PlayStation. There's not mm-hmm. much you can really do, uh, but still, just going around and, and seeing like what's what's there, what's not there. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jeremy said, whole roads missing. Uh, you know, just the ways to get around, like what's left of this town. Uh, I, I think they kind of did that a little bit better in later games. Uh, but but for that oh, yeah. first one, uh, you know, playing that for the first time, uh, that was amazing. And uh, just, you know, that it, it felt like a fully fleshed out town as far as like what you could go around and see something bad has happened. You know, it's this weird dream state. There's fog everywhere. Uh, it, it lends so much to the game that it's almost like it, it it's it, it is literally just the like you said, probably the main character of the game. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and, and the other people you run into, I mean, again, most of what you're going to see is demons or whatever, but then you do run into a, occasionally other people who are like, oh, my God, thank, thankfully someone else normal's here. You've got Sybil the cop you meet early on. Uh, you meet a nurse uh, in a hospital. You meet a doctor in a hospital. And, and there's an old lady in a church. Like all, There's all these people that kind of show up. They all obviously have some level of cryptic things to say or lack of understanding of the area or, or things they aren't going to tell you. But but that's what draws you back in enough just to say, okay, I, I think this part's real. I'm not really sure what's real and what's not mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that all looks so dreamlike. But it really hits you, you know, the strongest, I think, once you get to your first actual, like, building location you're going to go back and forth from this negative area to and that's the school when you get to the school finally uh, which also is great because you're running through all these areas that the most likely you've you've got dogs and stuff chasing you so your radio's going crazy you get into the school and all of a sudden it's quiet and you're in a safe school mm-hmm. there's nothing there at first you get to wander around through the the entranceway of the school and even some hallways before you really run into anything whatsoever and that's when the game kind of shows you what the, the the focus of this game is not monsters and fighting i mean yes you have to do some boss fights so it's it's inevitable you have to do some fighting but it's more about the puzzles and it's more about the story than a game like resident evil which i mean it has has puzzles and it has a story but a lot of the resident evil puzzles are you know oh i need a green key let me go find the green key i put it back in the green lock and i've you know i've opened the door it's a little more involved than that but this game has clues you have to read and decipher and then figure out what to do and sometimes the answers are pretty straightforward but sometimes they are not Uh, i mean the school itself has when you first walk in you go to the school office and there's pieces of paper all over the place and they all have little clues on them and yes some of them are a lot more open or a lot more obvious than they should be but i'll just read one out it says 10 o'clock at the alchemy lab gold in an old man's palm the future hidden in his fist exchange for sage's water and you're like, what? And there's a bunch of, like, a handful of these you have to write down. And, and well, you don't have to. I wrote them down. And it looks like it's this super cryptic level of things. And it, it does tell you, basically, which rooms to find. And in these rooms, kind of what you're going to run into. Uh, the, the, the Alchemy Lab one I just mentioned is pretty obvious. And, again, I, I don't mind ruining mm-hmm. this early set of, of, uh, of clues too much. But you do find some sort of chemical you can pour on what's literally a, a fist that's holding a key you need like a, a statue of a fist, and it dissolves the statue, and you can take the key. Okay, great. That makes that makes actually a whole lot of sense. But the second clue you get is it tells you to go to a place with songs and sound where a silver guidepost is untapped and <laughs> lost and or- awakened the ordained order. And I'm like, what? You get to that piano room, and you've got to figure out what notes to hit. There's a note there that explains what notes to hit, but only been talking about birds. And it's like, what? I mean, yeah, I had to really write this down and look at it and play around with a piano to figure out exactly what to do. I mm-hmm. love the puzzles in this game. There's yeah. only one that I absolutely hate. The rest of the puzzles, even if I was stuck for a bit, if I really thought about it, went back and read it, it's like, okay, I think I know what to do. And and again, I'm I'm in my 40s now, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not a 12-year-old kid trying to figure these puzzles out. But there's still some there that I had to really think about. I'm sure if I would have played this when when it was brand new, I mean, I still would have been in my 20s then, but I would have had more trouble with some of these puzzles than I did this time through. And there was still one specific one that I had to look up an answer to. And I think it's a bullshit puzzle. But at the same time, when I got the solution, I was like, I never would have figured that out. And it's obvious. It's an overthink puzzle. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing about this. I think for this type of game, uh, the puzzle, the difficulty uh, is perfect. Uh, it really is. I mean, it's it's not something you look at and you're immediately like, oh, oh, yeah. Because, uh-huh. um, I mean, that takes away a lot of the fun from it. And at the same time, 
it's not something where I didn't have the guide pulled up for the, I mean, I played this thing so many fucking times, but other, you know, still, I, I don't think this is one of those, I would have been running to a guide or had it open by my side the entire time I played like some games that were just incredibly obtuse puzzles to them. And all the clues here. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of what you're saying. You read it at first and it just seems like gibberish, but then you, you, read it again you pay close attention and you're able to figure it out i think it's just uh, the puzzles in here uh probably amongst you know some of the some of the most rewarding uh for, for this type of game i mean obviously they don't really hold a candle to a, a puzzle oriented game but um yeah i thought that was one of the strong parts of this and and i obviously they think so because i mean the, the games are they do continue uh with the puzzles which i was glad um but yeah, I, I think it's more of a, a kind of a, a thinking man's Resident Evil to an extent. And like, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think the puzzles are actually probably about the best thing in the game. Like mm -hmm. they don't, it is, it's definitely kind of got its, you know, moments where it's like, find this key to get to this, get through this door. But one of my favorite puzzles, actually my favorite puzzle in the original Resident Evil was the painting room. Mm. where you had to go through and, and set the paintings in the correct order, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to get through. And this game is filled with puzzles like this yes. to where you actually have to take the time to read, uh, to explore the environment, to look for clues. And otherwise, it just makes no sense. If you just walk up to something, and you, you, it, you know, it's all probably almost impossible uh, to do a trial and error on these things. So it's you, you really have to kind of, you know, it wants you to explore. It wants you to find those clues. Um, and, and that's that's what's rewarding about it. Even though you don't want to, because mm. I, I don't want to go this way. That my radio is making that crazy fucking noise, and I don't know where that naked baby is. So that's I, right. I, I just I really need to, you know, maybe I could just figure this out on my own. You you can't. So if you, but if you keep going forward, you can usually find the answer to what you're trying to do, or at least a clue to it, and sort of understand the puzzle and. The, I, I that's one of the things I, I absolutely love about this game and, and actually like Silent Hills after this. Well, and the maps continue to do the same thing. If you're, Once you get to the school, you can find a map of the school pretty early on. And that also updates as you go into the room. It shows you what doors are locked, mm -hmm. what doors aren't. If there's a, a door you have unlocked, it now shows an arrow like it, it updates your map for you in a very useful way like it had outside, which makes this much easier. Um, but since this is the first real building you've been in at, at a certain point, you know, after you finish these kind of starter clues you get, you find a tunnel, you crawl through that tunnel. It looks like you crawl out the same side, but all of a sudden everything's way different. Like you're in the same map and you still your maps from before still work. It's still there, but it's the the negative world, like the the the, the anti world, whatever you want to call it. It's the dark world of the game. You're in the same school map, but everything looks like it's from Hellraiser. There's chains all over the place. There's grates on the floor, like uh, metal grates instead of floors in some places. In some spots, there are walls that there weren't before or big chain link fences with like wires and stuff all over them. Stuff that wasn't there before. Hooks hanging down. <laughs> like it's just it's a much darker hellscape. And there's more enemies in it. You have to then find new ways to get through this whole map you've already been through before, but now you have new puzzles you have to figure out. You have to you have to get through this school now in the hell world. And that's a lot more uh, a lot more running, in my opinion. There was a lot of that in, in the Hell World sections where I was just, you know, trying to get figure out even how the world fit together because it is this Hell World. And I'll go to the school specifically for this example. But where you find the shotgun is in the school. Great. And you don't need the shotgun, but it's nice to have it. It does a lot more damage. And especially when you get that first boss, you're going to wish you had it if you didn't. But 
you go to the bathroom. Now, in the bathroom on the regular world, it's a bathroom. You walk in, it's a ladies' room. You walk in, it's a, it's a, I guess, a girls' room, then a boys' room. No big deal. In the the negative hellscape world, when you actually walk into the girls' bathroom and then out again, it also pushes you up a floor. It doesn't say it's doing it, but all of a sudden you realize that you walk out of the hallway, there's a new wall there you can't, it wasn't there before, there's nowhere else for you to go. The only way to go is back in the girls' room, and then when you walk out of the girls' room again, you're back on that first floor. And I did not realize that that's what was going on at first. So I just, I thought like my map was bad or like I broke the game somehow. I wasn't quite sure exactly what was going on. But that, when you go up, you know, through the other floor and out to where you can actually access the boys' room, that is where that shotgun is. So I didn't even find that shotgun until I got to the end of the school where I had to fight the first real boss. And I just didn't have enough ammo in my pistol to do it. I was getting frustrated. So I I thought I must have missed some sort of easy kill button. And I did find that shotgun eventually. And like I said earlier, I never even found the next gun. I'm sure there's something equivalent in another area of the game I missed completely. Because in that hell world, you know, logic doesn't have to matter. You can go in a door and end up on another floor. You can go, you know, through a through a ladder and end up in a part of the map you've already been to. Like that doesn't make any sense for it to be a ladder. I love that, and at the same time, man, it's frustrating. And, but and my hats off to them for the the kind of introduction uh, to this world. I think you catch a little bit of it right at the very beginning with those babies, but not too much. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where by the time you get to this point. You're, you're, I mean, you're fatigued. You've ran through this school, and it's kind of one of those when they hit you with it, you realize that uh, you haven't seen, you know, anything yet. I mean, you are, you're finally in the shit now. Uh, yeah, and it's an awesome way. And I am on record on many episodes of this talking about how much I hate backtracking, how much I hate traversing an area I've already been to in a game, uh, this is the most acceptable way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, you're essentially going through this school twice and other areas throughout the game, you're essentially doing them twice. But, I mean, they change up so much, you know, in terms of the enemy placement, the, you know, uh, objects where they're located, the look of everything, uh, that you don't care. I mean, it, it may as well be just a, a two-tiered, you know, level, just, you know, different from the other one. Um, but yeah, just, I, I'm blown away, you know, and and I play through it, you know, and uh, quite often, almost yearly, I'll play on through it and, uh, and notice little things here and there. But when I was really playing it with the, the intention of talking about it here, you kind of look at things with a, I think we look at things with a little bit of a different eye when we're playing through with the, the intention of reviewing them. And I mean, and I just was really taken aback because I haven't really, sat back and put much thought into just god damn how well presented this game is for that uh, for that you know an early title on the ps1 uh, they have pulled out a lot of stops and if you thought it was tense before yes you know uh it, it's a whole new level <laughs> i mean that's that's, that's the warm-up yeah uh it, it's one of those things like i you thought you had kind of hit the shit before mm-hmm. where you hear that that radio kind of go off every once in a while. You were, and, you were ankle deep then. Yeah, and then you crawl, you know, you get to that that alternate dimension or hell world or whatever, and man. <laughs> You're waist deep. Yeah, that is, it is just like, uh, it's a whole different level of tension. It's instead of tension, it's basically panic a lot of times. Yes, and, Especially, and the music, yes. The music lends itself to that. You get yeah. like heavy, I don't know if it's just a someone just banging on an organ or what it is. You get just a sharp, 
like re repetitive note. Uh, and, and yeah, this is the kind of music, if you heard it in a movie, it's because somebody's running. Yeah, this is like they, they did an amazing job with the music. And if we don't mention it again, the music in this game goes a long way in selling just about everything it does. It is very super mm -hmm. industrial. A lot of it just sounds like you said, like they're just banging on like metal mm -hmm. or, you know, things, metals just grinding against metal, especially in like the hell world that, that really kind of sets the tone for those worlds mm -hmm. and, and makes you, it just makes you feel that much more uneasy as you're going through it. Uh, it it's just, it, it's amazing how well they, they, you know, they switch from those worlds and how much crazy it is going from that that world back to the you know the fog world, as far as like how you're just like oh my god thank Jesus I'm just yeah I'm, that, back, yeah. I'm back here God <laughs> like it makes you feel so much much better going back there it's like oh god I made it back to the good part of the game mm -hmm. because it is just that much more tense when you get to those worlds but yes it is it is an amazing switch and I think anyone that made it that far. Uh, back in the day, it, it was it was probably a pretty big shock, and mm -hmm. for me, it was like that was the payoff of that begin that opening uh, scene where you're walking down the alley. I was like, all right, I want to see more of that. And then when it did it, I was like, I don't ever see that anymore. This, this shit's fucking crazy. This, oh, get this away from me. But it kept me playing because I just wanted to see what they could do because that world is is so just, it's it's really fucked up. Well, and and you know, again, using the school as an example, I feel fairly safe talking about when you. You, you get through the school, you get through the hell world part of the school, back down to, uh, you know, where you find the boss. And the boss is this giant slug monster thing that slowly falls around. You find a clue in the school that tells you how to defeat it by shooting it in the mouth, which is not a huge secret since that's really the only thing it has. Uh, and you shoot it in the mouth a couple times with a shotgun, it goes down, and all of a sudden you, you know, you wake up as if this whole hell world section was a bad dream. You're back in the school as it normally is. You are able to walk outside again and be in the regular world. It, it's a very clear reason you transitioned into and out of the hell world in the school. In later areas, it becomes much less obvious why you switch into hell world until eventually it's like you can't tell when you're going to because hell world's slowly invading the whole town of Silent Hill and the story is about that. That's why the, character, the, the, the town is so interesting because the town is part of the reason these things are happening to you that you have to kind of piece together you know based on things you find in these areas plus what the few people that you can find will tell you plus yeah, i mean it's deciphering what's happening in the town and and who these people are and who you you know even really who who you are what you're there for it's amazing and and they've done a they do a great job of of kind of making the game become more and more unhinged as you go on in a, in a way that i haven't seen a lot of other games do very well like this does it I mean, the, the, the next area especially, it's like you're walking and all of a sudden you go like around a corner essentially. That's not what it is, but it might as well be. And bam, you're back in the hell world without any warning. In this case, you had to go through a tunnel. And you come out of the other side of the tunnel and it's obvious you're now in this weird hell world. So you figure there's there's doors or something somewhere. But no, it's just this hell world kind of bleeding into the the, the foggy real world. It, it is... The way they put this game together is is maybe my favorite of this type of game, where you don't know what's real and what's not. It doesn't do, uh, you know, I loved Eternal Darkness. I thought that was a fun game. But that was different because you had this sanity meter, and it made it very obvious when things were and weren't real and would flip back and forth. This this is more of a, a you're just not even sure from the get-go if anything's real. <laughs> and I love it. I thought it was super, uh, super well put together.
So yeah, when you well, like we already mentioned, you you finish the school, you fight this slug monster, and you're back in the foggy city, which is still filled with dog monsters and and bat monsters, but makes you feel a little better because it's not the other stuff you dealt with. And then you have to figure out where to go next, how to get through the city. Uh, the city does expand past the original map you have uh, to to a larger area, but multiple maps, uh, and you kind of go back and forth and the whole time. You know, you're kind of figuring out how this all fits together, falling in and out of the the hell world. Uh, I don't really want to ruin the rest of the story, but is there anything specifically without giving away story parts that you guys need to complain about? I've got one major one. I, I guess for me, I, besides I already mentioned like the combat and things like that, that, that it just kind of hasn't aged very well. I think for me, what we've talked about so far, I think like the school is the best design part of the entire game. And I think after that, you, you, you know, not ruining anything too much because it's not even half through halfway through the game, you get to like a hospital and that one isn't bad either. It's, it's kind of, it follows basically the same formula as the school, you know, you kind of go in, you explore and then halfway through, you kind of get into the hell world and then you're forced to kind of backtrack that way. And then after that, it seems like, and this isn't a bad thing. Like, it just seems like they m maybe ran out of time uh, or there's just things changed. But like the latter half of the game, instead of the exploration and the puzzles and, and things like that being very regular, it is like, go, 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 go mm. all the way to the very end. I, I see what you're saying, because I do believe, I, I, I would not say the school is the high point. I, I actually think the hospital you mentioned is the high point of the game. The, the fact that the transition from regular to hell world in the hospital is where the game kind of hits you with, holy shit, things aren't as, as clear cut as you thought they may have been, even for a game that is kind of balancing back and forth on what's real and what's not. I thought the hospital was great. After that, I think there's a, actually a large section where there are no puzzles. You know, the, the puzzles are figuring out where to go next, what to do next, but there aren't these crazy puzzles. And then I think they cram all that puzzle for the second half of the game into the very last area, which is nothing but puzzle, but puzzle, but puzzle, but puzzle, and trying to fight things in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yes, totally. Yeah, and I, I'm with you on that one. It feels like, uh, I mean, the, the the exploration is always the best part. And yeah, I think the the school, I, the school is just, it's one of my favorite spots in any silent hill game um but yeah after that it does seem like the last half i don't know if it was a a rush or what if it was an active decision but it seems like you you, you have a lot of freedom and it, it does it seems like you kind of get bottlenecked right there you know kind of towards the end i didn't mind that speed i i thought it made sense narratively i i like the fact that well yes yeah, things are ratcheting up and you know it's really getting down to it it, it you know it, it makes sense but I think uh, it's the problem when, like, the first half of a game is so good, so well done, and so enjoyable. It's it's always jarring when it when it switches from that, and you want more of that. But uh, I it, it like you're saying, it, it does make sense that in the natural progression of things. Well, and it's not like all of a sudden you have a set of driving levels. Like it, the game doesn't drastically change for the second half. It's the same mm -hmm. game you've been playing, but they they kind of, in some ways, speed things up, and in other ways drag a few things out you wouldn't have had to deal with before especially mm. the overworld section mm. i think the overworld towards the end gets a little unwieldy uh it's it's not bad but you feel like i wish i found a building because i'm done with mm. this overworld i'm done with figuring out you know where to go 
Um, there, there's a police station section and like a post office section in in the game. That's again not full rooms, but just that whole section of the town is very messy. I don't think it's as well put together, but but it kind of again for the narrative makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. So so there's a lot of puzzles, and again, towards the last the last area specifically is is just puzzle after puzzle after puzzle after puzzle. You're kind of figuring out how to get through this this hellscape world that doesn't make any sense otherwise other than that these puzzles tie them together. I only found one puzzle in the game that I could not figure out. And and I tried. It's not like I just like, oh, can't figure out the easiest solution. I'm going to look it up online. I, I wasted way too much time. And, and I don't want to give away the solution, but you both will know what I'm talking about when I tell you that the Zodiac puzzle is a whole bunch of horseshit. And I mm. hate it. It's the only puzzle in the game that... So there's a lot of very involved puzzles in this game. Not, not very involved, but for this kind of game, they're involved, right? It's not yeah. missed level. It's not it's not seventh guest or these games that give you these crazy shit. They expect you know a bunch of things or are going to take notes for days. But but still, there are some very involved puzzles in this game. And there's a puzzle you get to towards the end of the game that involve, well, they involve zodiac symbols. And mm-hmm. so there's there's a Pisces symbol and a Cancer symbol and uh, Aquarius and these other things. And you're like, oh, man, you know, I'm not going to figure this out. And they're showing you these these you find these plates with these characters on them and these numbers. And then you find a series of other panels that have no numbers. You have to fill in the numbers. And there's nothing that I found in the game that explained the the zodiac symbols i mean if, if you didn't know that maybe that's what hurt me if i didn't know anything about the zodiac at all i would have just maybe thought a little more about what was being presented to me as opposed to oh my god this is a zodiac puzzle now i need to do an hour of research on zodiac symbols <laughs> and oh, numerology uh, and trying to figure out how this all falls together and assuming that i missed a clue that would be very obvious like i wasted so much time on this puzzle and then when you get the answer which i'm not going to ruin because maybe everybody else on earth had no problem with this but i was angry i was angry with not the game i can't fault the game i was angry with myself for for mm. just overthinking it and not just saying hey you know what this is a self-contained experience if they didn't give me what I thought I needed, then I'm missing something, and I need to go back and, and just rethink this puzzle. Don't think, okay, now my responsibility is to take an hour of my life and research Zodiac symbols and how things all fit together, because that's not going to help you with this puzzle. Can you give us our horoscopes now, though? I can. Uh, I can I can tell you if, if you're uh, uh, in a state of, of rising Virgo. I don't know what any of that means, <laughs> but I know that it did not help me solve this puzzle. And, and and it's the only puzzle in the game that's like this, where I was like, I I couldn't figure out the solution, and I don't know what I would have done if there was no game facts. What would I have done in 1999 if I couldn't have figured this out? And, and I I probably would have asked everyone that came into the store I was at, hey, did you figure out this stupid-ass puzzle? And they would have told me the answer, and I'd have been angry even then. Because it is, it is the only puzzle that I think is arguably unfair, and only because y- you expect it to make sense like everything else does in the game where, where they give you these clues outside of the, the puzzle that help you solve it. In this case, they don't need to, but you don't realize that. Mm. Did, did anyone else, I mean, were you guys, or did you play it long enough ago that maybe you looked it up you didn't care anymore? Or was this just me? Did I overthink this? I, I, I'm, I have to say, I can't recall. I mean, I've played this so long ago. Um, I can't recall the time I struggled, but I think probably, and you're probably doing the same thing I do now. I had a one advantage of having youth on your side the first time you play through something, particularly with puzzles, that you uh, you don't put a lot of brain power in it. You don't think too hard about it. 
uh, which I do now. I'll sit and, and stare and think on things. I mean, you're much more reactionary and, and, you know, and you try logical things first before you crack open, you know, crack the internet open or crack a book open and try to learn more about something. Um, I remember this one in particular, and I remember kind of stumbling around for a while and uh, it wasn't nearly as ruinous for me, but then again, like I said, I, I had youth on my side, and I, I didn't have anything to look it up then, so I, I, I must have gotten past it. Uh, for me, I, I, rem- I probably had issues with it as a kid, but it's one of those things I just kind of remembered this time going around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, for me, the, <laughs> I remember the biggest puzzle of this game for me as a kid was just kind of figuring out the plot and what happened by the end of the game, Mm. because there were so many things uh, as far as like, just, you know, you kind of talked about, you're just this every, you know, an ordinary guy going through this very extraordinary kind of crazy mess and trying to figure it out on your, as you go along. And even by the time the ending rolled around, I still, I was just like, what in the world was, what did I just witness? And, there was a there was a point in my life where I spent a better part of like two days of going to Game Facts and reading Silent Hill plot synopsis. Oh, and it's good. Like, it's good viewing on YouTube nowadays. It is, yes. But YouTube didn't exist back there yeah. back then. Yeah. So like there was just these like eight thousand word fucking dissertations on like what happened in this game, and like you could just sit there and read forever. And I did. I I would just sit there and read for hours. Just like character, you know the 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 hidden meanings behind the characters and the mm-hmm. stories and what happened. And there's so much this game just doesn't explain as far as like the plot. And I think that's, you know, uh, that, you know, that they did that on purpose. Yeah. Uh, you know, but still there's a lot of stuff that I'm just like, you know, there's like slugs coming out of people. People are just getting, you know, uh, there's this weird cross story with your daughter and what happened back in the past and medical stuff. And, and just, it's, all fucked up it's yeah. really kind of just fucked up and it's, it's not explained at all really in the game just b- besides the absolute most basic of explanations <laughs> as a plot goes yeah the stories they tighten it up in the second one yes yeah. and i'm gonna say in beyond uh they become much more like uh, character driven like contained uh games uh and the second one on uh, well not all of them but yeah, this one was a little bit of a mess. And back then, uh, at the time, yeah, you had those game fact articles that anybody with any you know opinion at all could you know this before the developers, you know, I think just you know kind of figured that hey, we got a franchise, we we might need to you know flesh this stuff out a little bit more. So anybody with any kind of opinion was was throwing anything out there, and I was just like you, I was just enamored with things on there. And, and, and it's like star Wars. It's like that fucking the cantina scene where like one character that pops up or one thing that's on there for like a second, people latch onto and have written out like the entire backstory of the thing and, and all that. And, and I were just getting a lot. And it's, I mean, it's a, a, you know, great little fiction to get lost in. And I, I think the games continue that. I don't know how much of it they really had planned on this one. I do know this one, uh, you know, and, and I don't think it spoils too much. It, it ties into some things from this one will tie into uh, the the third game in the series. Um, and, 
Yeah, and and the good thing about that third game, this is one of the first games I played. I won't say anything about any of them that had multiple endings. You know, you had your like a good ending, uh, bad ending. There's like a good ending plus bad ending, and then there's of course the UFO endings, which uh, anyone who's played Silent Hill knows how enjoyable those are. But the, um, so hmm? you, you bring that up. There are yes. there's essentially. I mean, yes, there's two good endings, two bad endings. For the, mm-hmm. the standard game. And the bad endings almost seem like very obviously not the true ending of the game. Like you can tell like you've done something wrong with the bad yes. endings. The yes. good endings, even the, the good regular and the good plus, you might not realize you've done something wrong to get the not good plus ending. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but to get the good ending, it means, you know, throughout the game, you've explored everything. Uh, and, and as a hint, if you have a map and there's a red building, you should go to it at some point. So if you if you explore the whole map and you see all the little bits and pieces, you'll get the good ending or the good plus ending. Um, if you've earned the good plus ending, then you get this extra item on a new start that lets you mm-hmm. kind of see some other things, and that will give you that UFO ending you're talking about. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and so this game, obviously, uh, not obviously, so this game was not, I guarantee you, they did not plan out the other sequels after this. This game was in production for a long time. It was in production for a couple years. Uh, apparently, and I looked this up on, on several spots, so it's not just Wikipedia. But the he read the he read it up on Game Facts. I read up on Game Facts, uh, and there was a you know 800 page uh, you know kind of fan fiction about the nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I skipped that and I kept reading. The, the creator and the publisher of the game was, uh, and I'm going to ruin this name as I always do. Kichiro Toyama. Uh, this was his his game, and he apparently had never directed a game before. He had worked on some other things for Konami, but not not to this level. And the the whole staff was all folks who had made games that really didn't do well, and they kind of just threw them all under this guy. And they said, "Make a game. We want to want to make a game that's kind of this horror thing that that's doing well now. Let's do it." And after a couple years and and a bunch of you know kind of reboots and silence, this game shows up. And obviously, this was kind of the last effort for a lot of these teams, the Silent Hill team uh, at, at Konami. And, and this did well. I mean, I, mm-hmm. we've, we've mentioned how much we like a lot of this game. I mean, we, we have some complaints, as, as any game is, is not perfect. And this game definitely has some PlayStation jank to it. But it's still, you know, a, a great game with a good story. You want to follow it. So I, I guarantee you they didn't plan ahead and say, oh, you know, when we make our second sequel, we're going to tie this together. And it's going to make a lot of sense. This was... You have to look at it as a self-contained box. This probably would mm-hmm. never even come out, but because of, of the fact that it is Konami and they put so much money into it, they're going to finish it out. Uh, they, they did. It, it is, on its own, ignore the sequels, an interesting game. I love the fact that it doesn't really define exactly what occurred. I mean, it, it gives you a lot of information. Even if you get the UFO ending and, and you've seen everything, you have maybe 80% of the story. You don't need the other 20%. You don't need to know it. it. It's just, it's there, and there's always this mystery and this enigma that's like you're never going to figure it out, and you don't need to. You you have the story. Even the ending doesn't really define what happens to you. It's just <laughs> it's just an ending, and it's even the best ending is, is kind of vague in how it answers. I like that a lot. Yeah. It makes me want to play through it some more. It makes me, you know, I I like not necessarily knowing what happens. You know, my, my favorite kind of movies are movies that end like Halloween. Halloween ends, and sure, the the thing, you know, in this case, Mike Myers is 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 quote gone, and then he vanishes, and you're not sure what happens. But for now, it's over. I like that. I like the fact that this game kind of has that same sort of ending where it's like, yeah, and the game is over. It gives you closure. You feel good about what happened. You're like, yep, this is over. I'm done. Great. 
and that is it. Like that, <laughs> that is the end of it, and uh, it, it it is great. The sequels they put out uh, there's there's technically, I think eight or ten sequels to this game or remakes and, and other things, but only four, only Silent Hill 1 through 4 were made by the original team in any way, shape, or form. After that, it became other people they contracted out to to finish uh, any other Silent Hill games after that. And and they're all... I don't know if I'd say any of the Silent Hill games are bad. There, there's some that are better than others. Um, you know, I, I think the original is great, but my experience is only up until this this podcast. I played a little bit of the first one, and I played a whole lot of Origins. I finished Origins on the PSP. I know that 2 is, is widely regarded as the best in the series. Um, but again, would it be the best without 1? I don't know. Could you play 2 without 1? Oh, well, you know what? I would like to, at this point in time, not get too far into it, because I'm petitioning that we crack 2 out for next Halloween. I, I'm 100% Obviously. behind that. Um, I will say this, two is, out of all the Silent Hill games, maybe the most, I don't, I don't, Jeremy, you've played it maybe as much as me, probably the most standalone Silent Hill. Yeah, it, it is. And there's, I, there's almost absolutely nothing from the first, and yeah. I don't think much from the second outside of a, uh, an enemy or two carries over into another one. Yeah, and that, I, I think Silent, 2, Silent Hill 2 is probably the most iconic of, of all of the Silent Hills. Uh, to me, it's it's one of my favorite games of all time. It is by far my favorite survival horror game of all time. Uh, it, it's just an, an amazing game all around, but it does stand on its own. You don't have to play the original to play Silent Hill 2, and I'm just going to say right now that Silent Hill 2 is a far better game <laughs> than the original game. And I mean... I, yeah, and it's going to be, I mean, it sounds like we're showing our hand a year early. It, Silent yes. Hill 2 is also my favorite survival horror game. But I've, you know, I've never sat down and played it uh, with a, a reviewing eye. You know, I've never sat down and played it and actively, you know, looked for any faults in it. So I, I think that might be something interesting to do next time around. And Yeah, and I, I think that'd be good. In true fashion, I've never played it. So I cannot look forward to playing it any more than I currently am because I did enjoy <laughs> the first game a lot. I, I liked Silent Hill as a standalone experience, Silent Hill for the PlayStation. Uh, I would argue I like it more than Resident Evil 1. Like, I like Resident uh, Evil 1, but by the end what? of Resident Evil 1, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this game. I don't want to play it anymore. This game, I would have played another 6 to 10 hours of this. Yeah, let me tell you this much. And I don't know. Uh, people might not agree some people might be angry when it comes to survival horror games. I mean, Resident Evil, uh, it was at the top because it was, it was, you know, it's what we had. It's all we had. But after Silent Hill came out, I think it just, it left Resident Evil behind. And to be honest with you, I don't think Resident Evil was able, maybe until seven. And that's a long fucking time afterwards. Uh, you know, seven kind of, but I think seven curbed a lot of Silent Hill feel to it. Um, I always thought Resident Evil is just kind of running and Silent Hill's that big juicy fucking steak and Resident Evil's, you know, it's that steak. Uh, there's not much to it. And you got to stack up about four or five of them to get a decent bite out of it. Um, yeah, I just, I, uh, this thing left Resident Evil in the dust. I continue to play those games, but honestly, I was always much more intrigued when a new entry in this series came out. And, uh, I mean, that's why I think, you know, uh, this, the series, is I keep coming back to. If you say that Silent Hill is the stake and Resident Evil is the stakeum, that must make Ghoul School the entire cow. 
uh, ghoul school is something that exits the cow. Ghoul school, yes. you gotta like go up into the anus to to get what you need to get out of ghoul school. Well, no, I mean ghoul school, you don't have to reach in. If you wait long enough, the, the cow is going to evacuate what ghoul school is onto the ground. <laughs> some kind of halloween background music on of some sort not me jeremy had something that had a wolf howl in it then uh, uh, there was times. something uh, that's my cat that is my cat there's that's no there's no way that's a cat so that's our thoughts on silent hill uh, i do believe we can all agree it does deserve its status as a playstation classic and uh, I look forward to next year when we will most likely take on Silent Hill 2. But I bet we have some listener mail we can answer tonight before we wait a year to talk about Silent Hill 2. To the spookiest contact form this side of Transylvania. You all know the, the drill at this point. Go to Retrovania.net. It's scary as hell, I promise you. The CMS, uh, it's just not, it's the CSS on that, it's not great. Go on there, scroll all the way down to the bottom. There's a contact form. It is the spookiest contact form you've ever seen. There's some boxes there. You can fill it out. Send us a question, and we'll read whatever nightmare you send us. And this year, for Halloween, we've got a couple. So let me let me turn off my what spooky sounds. What that spooky mouth do? <laughs> what that's... <laughs> Okay, this this uh, let me let me turn this off. <laughs> these sounds are never Let's going away. <laughs> Every episode for the next two years will have these <laughs> right, sounds right, behind. Let me, I'll I'll keep them on. I'll keep them on. There. Perfect. All right. So so uh, first step from Kevin, and uh, he's writing in about Halloween candy. Is this is this too loud? No, this is perfect. <laughs> I, I guarantee we're going to get one angry email from one of our actual patrons, but that's okay. That's too bad, fine, Marty. Suck it. These sounds are great. <laughs> All right, Kevin writes in to say, just wanted to wish y'all a spooky October, and in doing so, I feel obligated to ask if there's any particular Halloween candy you're looking out for this month, or or if there was anything that was sought out more when you were a kid as you trekked through wherever you did your trick-or-treating. Thanks for the hair-raising podcasts. Hmm. So, uh, well, I guess there wasn't a particular candy I was out for i i know there were some that uh we never had like neighborhoods that were known for for you know for giving out a consistent candy it was just kind of you know it was a grab bag every year uh but you knew your neighborhoods that would give out the big bars and you know you went there uh i was always excited to find a uh, bit of honey or a bit oh honey you're the only person on earth who's ever said that phrase God, I was just about to say that. Motherfucker. <laughs> Bit-o honey. Bit-o honey. I was very excited to catch those in my bag. Uh, you didn't see them too often. Not often enough. Uh, and I, you know, I would always, I was that kid. I'd come home and I would give my parents, you know, a little bit here and there. Those were all mine. Now. Please all tell mine. me your second favorite was a Werther's. Yes. Grandpa, tell me a story. No, I, uh... <laughs> No, I mean, I ate the Bitto Honeys, but no, they, I, they were a I, regrettable know, last home, bit of candy. 
Yeah, when I was seven or eight, I get home, I get my old glass candy dish. I throw those oh, in boy. there <laughs> with those little strawberry-shaped hard candies. And there you go. Time. But no, I, I love those. <laughs> This guy's plum tickled. <laughs> I have never heard anybody on earth say like Bitto Honeys. I'm so excited. But there's a treat for you then. There's there's a treat for Halloween. I um I might go get some of those tomorrow. Now wait, are you gonna say the candy you didn't like was Snickers? It went Snickers. It was uh probably the road more often traveled as far as hated candy. I uh, fucking hate candy corn. And oh, yeah, yeah. That that I don't think anyone likes candy corn. If you want to say candy corn, I've been more blown away. Actually, less blown away because Bitto honey really is like that's really like the Necco wafer of candy. That's amazing. <laughs> but candy corn, I just I despise. Still to this day, it's one of those things. I don't like the look of it. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the texture. I don't like anything about it. But you know, in the you know when I was trick or treating you know, back in the eighties. People were handing that shit out left and right. Word hadn't got out yet that people hated it. Uh, see, I always hated seeing that. Uh, yeah. Fucking, I might be down the sheets tonight getting some bit of honey now that I'm thinking on it. <laughs> I have to say, I actually am surprised you said bit of honey because I was going to say I love Tootsie Rolls, which is always one of those Ooh. candies everyone's like throws in the trash. I don't like the... the, the uh, the fruit ones, that's awful. But the standard Tootsie Rolls, to this day, my kids get them. They don't like them. I will take all of theirs and eat Do them Do you melt them a little bit? You ever tried melting them? Oh, no, I've never tried melting them. That sounds Try like it would actually become like this weird little. like oil and some sludge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I love Tootsie Rolls. So that that's the one I... Because especially at Halloween, you get those big fat Tootsie Rolls you don't normally see. Yes. Uh, that's wonderful. I do like me some Tootsie Rolls. Uh, the, and... and, and the regular Butterfingers, because I don't normally buy Butterfingers. I do like me a Halloween Butterfinger. Other mm -hmm. than that, though, Handy's I did not like at Halloween, and I still don't, and this is probably entirely me. I hate coconut, so like Mounds or Almond Joy, those can, those can oh, go away. Oh, I'm there with you. But my wife one. likes those, so now I give those to her, because I am out trick-or-treating all the time because I'm an old man. Oh, no, my kids get them. They don't, they don't really care. They don't really care for coconut either because my kids just like Snickers. So, <laughs> so we normally take those. Also, I really... I liked the candies you wouldn't normally see, like, you don't normally see bottle caps, but you see bottle caps at Halloween, and I would like those then, but I don't, like, I can't, I don't get excited about them, but it's one of those things when you finally have your candy, that, that's like yeah. second tier excitement candy. You, you, don't, yeah. you don't get excited about them, but, like, later on, you're like, ooh, bottle caps, how awesome is that? Or milk duds, who buys milk duds other than a movie theater? Milk duds are a good Halloween candy, but no. Hands down, my favorite, Tootsie Rolls. So I, I think your your vote of Bitto Honey, which, while weird, mm. is probably less hated than Tootsie Rolls, uh, is, is an interesting you know, though, choice. I got to say, though, the the best single, I, I, nobody handed these out. I got them one year, one time. I got a PB Max one time. What is that? Oh, yeah. PB Max is great. PB what Max is a PB is Max? It's, it, it's a candy. You can't, it, I mean, it's long gone. Every now and then, there was talk about it coming back. All right, imagine you got like a, a kind of a, what would you say, like a little wafer bottom to it, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Like a little crispy cookie type bottom. Uh, you've got about a half jar of peanut butter slathered on top of that. And then it's been dipped in chocolate. And that, that's your PB Max. I would actually. Well, it wasn't like the Butterfinger kind of peanut butter, it was a softer kind of thing. Oh, uh, this was. Damn near close to jar of peanut butter. Yeah. Oh, that sounds incredible. Okay, Jeremy, your, your turn to answer this question before I randomly <laughs> yell about some other candy. Uh, uh, for me, like back in the day, as far as like stuff I hated, 
like back in the eighties and I guess when I was a kid doing that stuff, it was all about like like nerds was super popular. You didn't like uh, are you gonna tell me you didn't like nerds? I hate nerds. Oh no. I don't like We're a podcast for nerds. Fucking, we're learning a lot about each other tonight. Yeah. I hope I hope we can still look at each other the same by the time it's over. Yeah, I I didn't like nerds. I would eat them, but I didn't like them. Oh, so Lemon heads them. were you just didn't care popular. for them. Okay, that I can accept that. Nerds are as uh, easily third tier candy. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't like lemon heads, and that was a thing that was super big. Like sour candies back then were super huge, and I was just not a fan, especially like hard candy like lemon heads. Um, you know, uh, what was the, the runts? Uh, yeah, the, the, the fruit kind of ones. Oh, the banana runts are the best runts. Yeah. Banana runts were great, but the rest I just didn't care for. Oh, no. I like those but, orange ones too. We're going to have a fight about runts. This be, yeah, you know, well, why I, are we I, doing I a food okay podcast? We talk about this all the time. Our food podcast by us will be incredible and we should just yeah. make it that happen. Be, I, I got a, I might have to intervene and say, I liked all the runts, but the banana. Oh. You like lime? The lime runts absolutely suck. Yes, I did. Oh boy. Look at you. Sorry, uh, but anyway, sorry, Jeremy. Like, I've as far you. as like uh, things, I uh, anytime I got a Snickers or any sign of like a, a fun-sized candy bar, that was the stuff because uh, back then it was mostly just uh, some very simple like things that you could buy, like very like hard candy kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And I was never a big fan of like hard candy, so uh, that that was kind of uh, that that was what I. And, and turning the page from this war. No, no, wait. Or, before we go on, I okay. have to say. For this year, and I don't think they existed before this year. Maybe they're they're from the last few years. Kit Kat puts out a pumpkin spice Kit Kat, and it is absolutely incredible. I have to say, if you like pumpkin pie at all, and you like Kit Kats, there's no better candy in 2019 to buy your children who will hate it and give it all to you. It's wonderful. I, I, I could be down with that. I find that hard to believe. Also, a shout out to uh, anyone that gave out Laffy Taffy when I was a kid. Oh, they still go out now. Laffy Taffy and bottle caps in the same pack you can buy at Target. Oh, fuck the bottle caps. Just give me the oh, Laffy man, Taffy. Oh, man, bottle caps. They're all good. Laffy Taffy. Laffy Taffy is like a pool candy. You know what? Our food <laughs> podcast is going to talk all about pool candy, and I'm very excited about this episode. <laughs> all right, let's move on to some actual video game questions here, and we're going to get even spookier. What game do you like and... to play when you're eating Laffy Taffy? Here's a good question. <laughs> this one comes from Jake the Cake, and uh, he wants to. He's talking about how. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, if everyone puts a great name in, we will read your question, guaranteed. <laughs> and uh, Jake the Cake wants. <laughs> we lost to, Billy. You go on in spite of me. Can't be a great horror movie. I've fallen down. You guys go on without me. <laughs> and he's writing in about Halloween haunts. Uh, hey peeps, do you, uh, do you have any scary type Halloween games that you pull out during the month of October to get that spooky mood flowing? I've got a few that I'll usually pull out and play, but the one I usually grab more than any other is Eternal Darkness for the oh. GameCube. It's such a great underappreciated horror game that instantly gets me in the mood for Halloween. I'm sure at least one of you have played it. P.S. Any chance you can cover Eternal Darkness next Halloween? I yeah. would love to cover Eternal Darkness. I mentioned it this episode. It's one of my favorite. Uh, it's 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 a horror game, but it's more of a. It, it's like one of those horror games you can play anytime. It's not Halloween based. Mm-hmm. It's just a mm-hmm. solid horror title. I guess same with Silent Hill. It's not really related to to Halloween, but it's a fun horror title. Uh, I would gladly play that again. Uh, my my time this year. So you know, I mentioned we I I bought Man of Medan because I liked 
uh, Until Dark so much. That's a game, it's recent, but it's a game I will play every year around Halloween in October. Uh, it, it's a solid horror, you know, it, it, like a horror movie style horror game. It's really good. And other than that, there aren't many. Like I, Resident Evil is not a game I was extremely in love with until I played for this podcast, the original Resident Evil. And I, I like Resident Evil 4 enough. And Silent Hill, again, this is the first time I've really played through the first Silent Hill. I really liked it. It might become one of these games, but it has not been. The first Splatterhouse. I will play Splatterhouse on the Turbo Graphics, the best system of all time, every Halloween for the rest of time. But yeah, Until Dawn uh, is a new one, and and Splatterhouse is my classic. I um yeah I I play actually it's worked out uh, quite well. I play through uh, usually Silent Hill one through four every October. Um, and I have this year successfully again. I've uh, gotten them down pretty damn quick, except for one. I, I, you know, I lingered on there since we were reviewing it to really, you know, pick up the fine points here and there. Uh, but yeah, I just that one through four, uh, I absolutely love. Um, and I would would play those anytime. But I mean, it just October just seems like the right time to really sit down with those. Um, it just lends itself, you know. To, to kick in the kicking the Halloween season off right. I don't have any other really consistent ones. Uh, I just I kind of alter. I certainly do just immediately start playing you know horror themed games about that time. Uh, the Silent Hill series is really the the main go to. I venture to every year. And as far as Eternal Darkness, that would that would be fine with me. That is that is an excellent game. Uh, I I don't really have too many myself. I think actually my favorite is one of the more recent games, Costume Quest. Oh. Uh, that came and that is such an excellent just Halloween game. It, like, it is literally a Halloween game. Yeah, I was going to say, it may be the and only true Halloween game I've ever played. Yeah. That's one of those. Uh, yeah, I forget about that one and the second one, especially the first. Though. I never finished the second one. I like the first one a lot. The second one I got bored with. Second one drops off for me. That first one is perfect, and it really, it, it does a great job. I thought of just kind of taking you back. You know, it, it just it brings up a lot of memories. It's done so well, and it just uh, there's a smile on your face the whole time you play that one. Yeah, it really feels like Halloween as a kid, especially that first section in the first game. Like it is, it is totally just you know. Uh, besides the weird adventure shit that's going on, it just every time I play it, it just takes me back to being a kid. Mm -hmm. And what it's like just going around the neighborhood and, mm -hmm. and getting your candy and stuff like that. It's something I can't do anymore without people calling the cops. So I just play a costume quest and, and that helps me out. All right. Our next question comes in from Nova Scotian Mark. Is this one even spookier? Uh, not this one. Did you intentionally turn the sounds off or did you just run out of time? No, it's still going. Hold on. Oh, I just thought these weren't Halloween questions anymore. Maybe I just didn't... Uh, turn them up enough oh, perhaps i turn the sound <laughs> down nova scotia mark writes in to say hello all the way from nova scotia i would hope you're from nova scotia i adore this show and mostly wanted to say thank you for keeping it going longer than most of the other retro gaming podcasts longer I've than it deserves <laughs> enjoyed through the years i do have a question though and that is do any of you have a game that you still love to this day Oh, look, listen how creepy that is. Like. This is literally people oh. are running, running in, out of terror from this podcast. And that is, do any of you have a game that you still love to this day 
but would never recommend anyone play it due to how badly you know it's aged over the years. Thanks to, thanks for the show and happy belated 100th episode. Uh, I, think I, think we, I think we all do, but we, uh, we've we made each other play them anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, that's every game I've ever recommended. That, that's, <laughs> that's exactly where I was at. Mansion of Hidden Souls would be mine. I can admit a lot. I won't admit the particulars here. I won't give everybody the satisfaction of that. I can't admit that it is a game that perhaps in the hands of time have been cruel to. Um, uh, but I absolutely love it. Uh, it's another one that would be perfect for this time of year. Um, yeah, it's that. And just a lot of just really, you know, a lot of <laughs> shitty PS2 games. There was one Metropolis Mania. Oh, uh, I bought Metropolis Mania and I and did there was not another enjoy one, it. I bought it in a game called fucking Mad Maestro at the same time. Now, Mad Maestro is amazing. And we can do a whole episode on that if you like. Oh, oh, oh we could. Metropolis Mania is like a shitty Sim City. But I love that thing. I sat there. I've played it probably longer than I have any Sim City title, which is sad. And uh, but that and a lot of Sega CD, Slam City with Scottie Pippen. I'm still trying to talk him into that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mansion uh, of Hidden Souls is the big one. That is a game I love. I will sit there and play anytime. I uh, would not dare recommend anyone to play it, and I wouldn't even make anybody watch it. There's a lot of early CD games I would not honestly recommend to people if you were not in that time zone. It, There's it, a lot of TurboGrafx-16 games you ought not recommend also. Okay, well, that that is true. Perhaps you guys don't understand how great the TurboGrafx-16 was. But, I mean, just in general, like, to, to people that are not you two, you guys are recommend every terrible thing ever to. But, but to everybody else, like, if you were not alive for the beginning of CD mm. gaming, the Sega CD, the TurboGrafx CD, even, like... 3DO and CDI. There, there's a lot of stuff I would be like, never, ever touch this. Unless you want to see how bad games could be. Even mm. the games that I liked at that time would, would probably yeah. not fly now. Um, but, but even, I mean, one of my favorite games of all time, perhaps my favorite NES game of all time is Goonies 2. That said, if you are 15, 20 years younger than me, you will not appreciate Goonies 2 for how amazing it is. And I understand that. It's obtuse. It is a little awkward and you don't have that Goonies connection that I probably have or that I definitely have. You probably don't have that connection that I definitely have uh, to, to, to the Goonies name. Uh, that, that's a game I don't recommend to folks if you are not my age. Um, I, 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 I guess like first off I would go, I'd throw up fantasy star. <laughs> you mm, did like that. it, even though you dropped out, you're like, yeah, I love fantasy star. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> Uh, I, for, for real though, uh, the, the one that I would throw out for me personally is one that I actually just recommended for the podcast it, out of this world. Uh, this is something that I, a, a game that I, I genuinely love. It, it actually changed the way I thought about video games back when, when I originally mm -hmm. played it. Um, but I fully recognize that it is probably almost unplayable these days. Mm. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's one of those games. That it, it is a classic, but I don't think anyone that's ever, you know, that's, that's kind of getting into it, that's never played it, would be able to play more than 10 minutes of it and be like, what is this? Like well, this. The, uh, the thing with that is, and, and I think it's, you know, it's what Jeremy was saying, is that you, you had to be there to see the transition from what we had to, yeah. like, that game. Well, and, and, and I think, 
I think Out of This World is is one of those games that is kind of timeless in some ways. I mean, graphically, it's not obviously, and and gameplay wise, it even isn't. But the fact that it is is an experience you could watch if someone who's knowing someone who knows what they're doing could play it start to finish, and you would be enthralled. Mm. And uh, and I would I would actually say Out of This World is kind of. Uh, a good precursor to what games have kind of become in some ways. Like if you're going to play a game like Uncharted or uh, um, even Until Dark we just talked about, like if you're watching someone play it who knows the story start to finish, it's a movie. It's a long movie. It could be an eight-hour movie. But it's a movie you really want to see. And I think Out of This World is one of the first games that kind of took that and ran with it. And I would love to cover that. In fact, it may, in fact, be our next bonus show uh, because I don't remember what we said we would do, and that would be sounds like a great one. Yeah, so get ready, uh, especially if you want to play it on the Super NES for some some hot uh, three frames per section <laughs> per, per second action. Uh, it's it, there's it's certainly a port. I'll say that much. But yes, I, I do. It is one of those games that I I love dearly. I actually drew out my own hand drawn strategy guide for that as a oh, kid. Oh, holy shit! Yes, it, it was that crazy to me and uh you know i had to actually like print that out and give that to kids at school because they didn't actually understand how to get through the game but i did and that made me the king of of the, the world the king of sadness basically you had to be the coolest kid can i yes literally the coolest kid can i clarify you did that when you were a kid not like last week that would be weird I mean, well i mean last week like the third edition did go out you know <laughs> to a few people so you hung so, out at elementary schools and hang out with the guides. That's pretty cool. I think yeah, like I said, I you know great. I can't go like out trick or treating without the police, but I can at least <laughs> hang around and <laughs> give out my out of this world, uh, you know, fucking strategy guides to to kids that just like look at me weird. Anyway, we've got one last one last email here from Roman S. Hold on, it's about to get really spooky. Uh, well, you can tell. Yes. You guys ready? What are you Boom. gonna do with your life? Why don't you go to college? <laughs> <laughs> Boo. If that didn't scare you to death, then surely this will. Imagine it. You're a kid. You've been looking forward to a game for months, getting super excited by word of mouth or pre and previews in game magazines, and then bam, it comes out and you hate it because it just sucks. Or even worse, it's not even a bad game. It just didn't grab you like you thought it would. Anyway, thanks for reading. Hope I didn't scare you all too much with that one. That is the story of Zelda 2. I was more excited <laughs> about any video game that's ever occurred, even up to now. Like, I love video games. It's become most of my hobbies. It's all I want to... It's literally all I know about. And Zelda 2 is the biggest letdown if, of my entire gaming history. It's not even that it's a bad hmm. game. I, we, we talked about it. I would, I would argue it, in fact, is, is quite a good game. But it is not what I wanted, and it was the biggest letdown of my gaming life. And, uh, and, and in a way, that's good, because it means everything else bad from here on out can't be that bad. I guess for me, uh, it, it would be Mortal Kombat 3. Hmm. Uh, that, like, Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 was, were probably... Like by the by the time Mortal Kombat 2 came out, it was probably my favorite fighting game of all time, and I was squarely a Street Fighter kid. Mm -hmm. But Mortal Kombat had won me over to the point where I was like, "This, this is my game. This is if this continues like this, this is the the game that I want to play. This is my fighting game." And then Mortal Kombat 3 came out, and it was just a, it was nothing. It was nothing that I wanted at all like it took all of that cool like 
kung fu mysticism and all that stuff and threw it out the window into like this weird sci-fi modern day time cop bullshit that I didn't want and it played I, it didn't play like I liked it it had like these dial combos I didn't like at all mm. it was just the complete uh, and it was such it was such a down like I it was one of those games that I kept trying to play over and over just to make myself like it but over like over the years I've just kind of come to accept it that I just do not like Mortal Kombat 3 and that was I think that's the biggest one for me that that stands out in my mind. I'll be honest with you, it, it didn't get too much better after that. No, for really, while, I don't really think I, it didn't come back to me until like Mortal Kombat 10 or X or whatever. It, yes, that that's exactly. I was gonna say three is the one where I was like, this company, they don't give, they know who their target audience is, and it's not me anymore. Like, I, I like Mortal Kombat one, I love two, but I, I was always. You know, I would never say Mortal Kombat has been my thing. It was just more interesting to look at than play in a lot of ways. I like the the idea of fatalities, but it wasn't Street Fighter. And so 3 was where they were like, yeah, this is obviously the best game ever. Let's do a bunch of in-jokes. And you're like, I don't think you're there yet. I don't think you're at the point where you can make, what, what was it, Babalities? Was that in 3? And and Friendly whatever's, where it was like, uh, it wasn't Friendality. What was it called? Friendship. Friendship. Yeah, Friendship. was that all 3? That wasn't in 2, right? I believe friendship was in two, but it's st- it went way over the top. In yeah, in three th- was was just goofy and cartoony and not not great. I mean, and that's a shame because I think I I guess well, but let me take that back. I thought it was a shame at the time, but then I didn't play Mortal Kombat for years and years and years and years and years. And then finally, when I was in college, at some point I was hanging out at somebody's house and they were had was it Deadly. Uh, Mortal Kombat Deadly whatever on the GameCube. Oh, uh, Deadly Alliance. Like Deadly Alliance, yeah. And that was the first Mortal Kombat I'd played in years, and I was actually like, you know what? This ain't half bad. Like, they kind of took this goofy crap out and made it just a straight, violent combat game again, which is what it always was supposed to be. It's Mortal Kombat. It's supposed to just be the most ridiculous, over-the-top, violent combat without all these goofy, cartoony things. And I think it went back to that. And and I actually do want to play the card version. I have not played it at all because, again, I'm bad at fighting games, and my children are too young to appreciate them. But at some point, I will get into them again. Uh, outside of Darkstalkers, the best fighting franchise in history. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that was the same thing with me. Mortal Kombat Three was the one where I was like, I this may not be a series for me. What they're doing, I do not appreciate. Yeah, and and, and I agree. Three is I mean, two is the fucking pinnacle. Yes. Um, but I'm sitting here and I'm I'm trying to think about it. You know, we've talked about games that disappointed us a lot. Um, but I do have. You know, it's sad how many of them fucking can come to mind when you really sit there and think about it. The most ruinous, I, uh, it seems like we're going for sequels for me, was uh, it was NBA Jam Extreme oh. on the PlayStation. NBA Jam is one of those games. Uh, there's only two games I pride myself on as far as being pretty handy at it. It's Mario Kart and NBA Jam. And, you know, that being the case, I played both of them. Both of those games almost nonstop. And, you know, I was sitting there, you're sitting there waiting for it. You know, you've got the PlayStation, and at this point in time, it, it seems like it's only a matter of time. You know, and you hear an NBA Jam title's coming, a brand new. Uh, this one's going to be completely different from the from the one you've been playing. Uh, it's going to be like a more of a 3D type game. And you're excited about it, and you get it. And it is damn near unplayable. Uh, everything you like about it, 
Uh, they've taken the crowd out. I, I just recall it just like you were playing in the middle of nowhere, like in a void. All you could see was just the fucking court and your players. Uh, it was quiet. Uh, it's almost just dead. And I don't know if it, it, it just it moves so incredibly slow. And, and that's a game that is just it's half the fun of it is how fast paced it is. And, and that was gone. What you have was just four guys playing basketball in the fucking dark, quiet, and walking through fucking molasses. And it was awful. And that is the first, I think it might be the, it's at least the first video game that I recall uh, I actually sold to somebody not long after owning it. And and did not regret it. Haven't looked back since. Uh, yeah, that, that one let me down huge and another one would be and it's kind of well sports i guess is a loose title as a wrestling game fan uh when that first ecw game rolled out uh also ruinous also terrible (laughs) and something i was so excited about uh because that was the hottest shit on tv when it came to wrestling and instead of getting their own game they got a just a palette swap of an already awful game system they were using for the WWF games. Uh, another one I, I unfortunately was not able to sell that one to anybody. But yeah, the, the NBA Jam PlayStation, NBA Jam Extreme on PlayStation is one that really stands Alright everybody. That's going to do it for this Halloween. I hope those uh, questions were uh, frightening enough for all of you. It won't be as, as frightening as editing out with all these monster sounds in the background, but I cannot wait yes. to do it. And this will rest rest in peace trying to, to edit this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have a question for us, please Don't go wait. to Richmond and find our question form. Send us a question. We will answer it on the show. And if you want our bonus shows, we have twice as many shows if you are a member of our Patreon. Please join our Patreon. It's $5 a month, but you get two bonus shows. You also get anytime we do any kind of extraneous show. You know, we've, we've already done our our Retrovania Weekend Warrior show where we play through Fantasy Star 1. We're talking about doing some other of those. Billy wants to do something involving wrestling games. That should be very exciting. And of course, our fast food show, which we've decided must happen based on our candy discussion, will only be on our Patreon. So please look at that. The link will be in the comments. And otherwise, we will see you in two weeks with I don't know what, but it will not be a food-related or horror show. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) 